0: Premier Christian Newscast.
1: Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim Wyatt. In the first weeks of September, two people died. The first was Chris Cabber a 24-year-old unarmed black man who was shot and killed by the police in South London. Just three days later, Queen Elizabeth II also died. As a result, Cabba's death and the anger it provoked very quickly slipped off the front pages. But the case merits some more exploration. And in particular, considering what role Christian leaders are or should be playing in the aftermath of another killing of a young black man by British police officers. Before the story was overshadowed by the Queen's death Church figures spoke of the importance of a thorough investigation and justice being seen to be done, while also calling for calm. The church has long been seen as an interface or a bridge between Britain's black community and the police, but how can they be salt and light in this complex and fractious relationship? Should pastors be drawing more attention to accusations of racism among the police and shifting to a more prophetic role challenging the authorities? Or could the church do more to tackle gang crime and violence at the source and hopefully prevent these tragic confrontations with the law from ever occurring. This week we're going to hear two different perspectives on this painful topic from the founder of Street Passes, Les Isaac and the Christian former gang member Sheldon Thomas. On the 5th of September, Chris Cabber, a 24-year-old expectant father, was driving an Audi through Camberwell Green in South London when the vehicle was spotted by armed police in an unmarked police car. Police intelligence had connected the Audi to a firearms incident the previous day, and so the officers began following Cabber's car. After a while, Cabber was intercepted by this police car and a second marked car, also driven by armed officers. After some kind of contact between the Audi and the police vehicles, one officer shot a single bullet into the car, hitting Cabba in the head. In the aftermath of the killing, there was palpable anger from Cabba's family and the wider black community in London. His mother, Helen Karma, spoke to the BBC shortly afterwards.
2: <laughs> My heart is broken. I'm speechless. My heart is broken. <laughs> Police is taking Chris for me. I don't know how to say that. I need justice to be done. Justice to be done for Chris. This is very racist. It's no good.
1: In a statement, Cabba's family also said, we are worried that if Chris had not been black, he would have been arrested on Monday evening and not had his life cut short. This theme emerged quickly from some of the church leaders who also commented. The Bishop of Croydon, Rosemary Mallet, said that people were, quote, extremely angry. We want to know if this young man was murdered because he was black, she added. That has to be a question that is asked. Young black men already feel that through stop and search they are targeted by police, that there are racist elements within the police. Bishop Mallet said that she would herself be speaking with the Metropolitan Police to press for answers. To be honest brokers in that conversation between the police and the community is a role the church has long played, Bishop Mallet added. The church should be there for the community to listen to them, to be open if they want safe spaces and if they want to come and pray. We must stand for justice for the communities that we serve. Nim Zubungay, a church pastor in Tottenham and CEO of the charity Peace Alliance UK, said the disparity of experience between black and white Londoners when it came to the police was too stark to ignore. We're hearing the same over and over again that the black community feel that they have become victims he told Premier Christian News in September. You find people standing out on the street saying that, from now on, I'll never stop for the police because they will shoot me. If Chris Cabot had been a white 24-year-old guy driving through Brixton, would it have happened in the same way? I'm concerned for my own children who are black. Why do we have to train our children as black people on how to engage with the police? Because we're scared that this could be any of them. At Cabber's funeral just a few weeks ago, his cousin, Jefferson Busella, said that he was praying for justice.
2: His body is a representation of what we go through as a community. I'm praying that we get justice. Because Chris isn't here. But we still here and we can keep fighting for him. I and mean, it's not just for Chris. It's for all the other brothers and cousins, you know, and uncles.
1: The Independent Office of Police Conduct is now investigating the shooting but has warned its work might take as long as nine months to be complete. While we wait, I wanted to find out more about what role the church can play in tragedies such as these, so I spoke with Reverend Les Isaac, the founder of the Street Pastors Movement and a long-standing campaigner in this world. I started by asking him for his read of the mood among London's black communities following Cabba's death.
0: The experience of black people has been somewhat... um negative over the years over the many years so there are people who are angry there are people who are saying this will be whitewash and there are people saying okay the police are under the spotlight let's see what comes out of this so there are different thinkings and feelings at this moment Um, because what tends to happen you know everything is off this person, this case, until maybe a year later. And then, you know, people are saying, will it be a whitewash? So it's a very mixed feeling. We hope Sir Mark Rowland and the team there and the police service would, would, you know, they have more information than we do. And we hope there'll be justice
1: what do you think is the role of of pastors like yourself and the church in general in kind of mediating between black communities and the police in times like this? Could you can you play a kind of bridging role or a kind of go-between, do you think?
0: It's not, can we? We have been doing it for years. Um, for years. I've been doing it over 30 years. And others before me. And I think it's very important that ministers, church leaders, pastors, um, really see themselves in two two aspects. One, that they are prophetic, speaking truth to power. I love the phrase critical friends. That's the phrase that we have used um, in our meetings with the police. Yeah, I think the term um, we're prophetic, we're speaking truth to power, but we're also reconciliatory in terms of bringing healing, bringing trust, bringing hope. Because the reality is we need the police. They're there to protect the public. They're there to bring reassurance and peace. They're there to enforce justice, to ensure to uphold justice um, within communities, regardless of you know, um, minorities or ethnic or whatever. And I think it's important for us to recognize as well, thirdly, that there are good police officers who have committed their lives to protect citizens, regardless of who they are, to uphold the law and to bring reassurance to people. So in the midst of that, the role of a pastor, the role of a church leader, is to always have these things in focus within tragic incidents like
1: these. It must be very difficult, though, to balance those different roles. You know, that, that prophetic voice being a kind of a, a critical friend, a challenge, calling out injustice while actually maintaining kind of positive, fruitful working relationships with the same police service that you are challenging and, and criticising. Is that, Do you find that a difficult balance to strike?
0: No, it's not. It's not. Because I think we've always got to, you know, when I look at the Old Testament prophet, you know, Elijah, they they stayed a distance from the king, from the power. And when they came, you remember, you know, Ahab said, you troubler, oh, troubler of Israel, you know, and the prophet rebuked him, you see, and said, no, it's you who trouble Israel. And I think it's important for us. We're we're not going to be pally-pally with the police. Yes, we respect and honour them, but we've got to maintain our neutrality because a minister is hearing the pain of the mother who's lost her son. He's walking or she's walking with with the family to bury their son, you know, or that person who has suffered some injustice or in jail, because of, you know, wrongly prosecute, prosecution. The minister has to do that, pastorally cover. And the minister as well has an obligation to ensure that he or she is speaking truth to the police officer and helping them to do their job, you know, in a very professional, effective way. Because at the end of it, society loses
1: out. Sheldon Thomas spent years as a gang member himself in the 1970s and 80s before abandoning his former life and devoting himself instead to campaigning. He founded the charity GangsLine in 2007, which tries to help young people out of gang culture. He said he had been thoroughly desensitised to the deaths of young black men at the hands of the police, who he said had not been made to change despite a string of contentious cases in recent decades.
2: It's uh, no point in me saying outraged. I'm outraged because... Society does not deem seem deem it enough to say enough enough we've got to change the way the police are. It's like how many more black people have to die before we actually force the police to change because let's be totally honest we're not forcing them to change because they're not changing we're not they're not we're not forcing them to change. And I don't think us lot demonstrating is going to make any difference. We can march all we want. We can sing all we want. It won't make a difference. Because in order for change to happen within the police structure, they have to admit there is a problem. Incidents keep happening and happening and repeating. And we get no apology in the sense of we hear this usual oh we're sorry for the family oh we we we, we 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 we're sorry that we've this has happened but no real change if you look at what we've done in the 70s we had the notting carnival riots that happened um i think was in was it in 76 can't remember 76 or 78 then we burnt brixton down in 81 and lord Scarman then um Lord Scarman then said, um, came to meet us and made quite a lot of recommendations that had those recommendations been taken up by the police and the government at that time, we wouldn't be here today. But the police refused to do anything about those recommendations in 1981, the Scarman report. Then a few years later, There was the Macpherson report that just repeated what the Scarman report said, and they still didn't do anything. So it's inevitable that this is going to happen again, because change is not coming as quickly as it should have done
1: by now. Hmm. Do you think there's a role for church leaders and pastors in kind of pushing for change, having that prophetic voice to challenge police actions will will the police listen more to kind of christian church leaders than they might to to activists and advocates
2: unfortunately as a christian i'm going to say something that may upset the christian fraternity um or christendom as they say but the christians or the pentecostal church the evangelical church um and even the english church which is the anglican church and the church of england they have no voice anymore they've lost credibility in the community because they do nothing in the community all this talk about the church we're making it sound like we're an important part we're not an important part we're not even seen as important and the the sad part about it is our leaders in these churches especially those big churches have done nothing all they're interested in is their own preservation they have done nothing in terms of christianity has lost its foot
0: Premier Christian Newscast. Premier Christian Newscast.
1: The former gang member believes that most of the church's efforts in this field are little more than window dressing and could never actually address the real problems faced by black people.
2: And you look at where we are as Christians, we have no power. We have no, the, the power that we keep telling everybody we've got, we've got none. We're not respected in the community anymore because people realize that all the Christians do is do things that is self-preservation. You know, self-preservation. They're only interested in their four walls. They're not doing, and I know some Christians are gonna be upset because they think by going into a prison and singing a song, means they've done something. They think by going into a prison and says, Jesus loves you, that means anything. It means nothing. Because when that guy comes out of prison, reality hits home. He's got nowhere to live. He's got no money, no job, no nothing. And so Christians are still doing things that are 60 years old, that are irrelevant in terms of meeting the needs of these guys on the road, meeting the needs of young people. Yeah, we do field shelter we do all that kind of stuff but we don't do anything that makes an effective change to young men especially black men and and I'm speaking from somebody that was in church regular i'm speaking as a person that was high up in the church in the sense of not not a pastor but in terms of evangelism and i realize that there's more bureaucracy in church than there is in the government you know in terms of just to evangelize the gospel took two years in one of the churches I was in before they could even, before they even wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to understand that when I speak, I'm not trying to attack the church or belittle it. I'm speaking from facts. And the fact is we're not relevant because no one respects us. When you speak to gang members, they laugh at us. They think we're a joke. And it's quite embarrassing because we know that Jesus Christ is the way, but yet. Because we don't show Christ in that way, like we're not in the ghetto. We're we're not amongst these people like we should be. I am, because it's my job as it's my I'm a consultant and I'm a a Christian. I'm there. But in terms of Christian in Christendom, Christians are not addressing absent fathers. Why why is the church not addressing absent fathers? We've got Christians who go to church, men who don't look after their kids. So what, what, what about that? we got Christian men in church who don't get married. How can we be a voice when we don't even follow the principles of the Bible? We don't even follow it ourselves.
1: Les Isaac also said it was vital the church aimed its prophetic voice in both directions, and as well as challenging the police and authorities also speaking to those within the black community, especially those who are bringing drugs, knives and guns onto the streets.
0: Very much so. Very much so. But one of the things that We've got to always remember there's always a context to the drugs, the guns, and the knives. And often that context is deprivation. It's the fact of broken homes, pain, you know, a hopelessness. There's a context to all of these. I meet young men and some women over the years, and I've spent time talking with them. And there were all sorts, so we can't stereotype. There are also some people involved, they've come from wealthy, good backgrounds. I've often said to people, when you think about the gun, don't just think about the end um, outcome someone get killed on the street. Think about who manufactured that, who sourced it, who supplied it. There's a chain, okay? Often we focus on the end product, but there's a chain that really makes this happen. And we, we've got to be honest, we've got to look at the whole chain. So you think about it. When I meet these young people, young men and women, and listen to their story, they're victims themselves. They are victims. That doesn't justify their action. This morning, my wife and I were praying, and you know, I was thinking about those young men, a recent killing in Brixton, shooting and killing of a young, boy and um we were saying well eventually the police will catch them and they'll get a stiff sentence and they'll be in jail missing a whole part of their lives remember they've got families they've got friends they've got maybe some of them got children so there's a lot of people who are involved who have become victims so yes we've got to be prophetic to them and i meet with young men, never forget. Met two young men who were selling drugs five o'clock in the afternoon, and I said, "Hey, boys, come on, what's this all about?" And they said, "Nobody gives a damn for us, about us." That's what. That's what they said, and I said, "Well, I do." He said, "You're one in a million. You see, so there's there was there was that. So we've got to take in um, in consideration all the things that would bring a young man to a point where he's going to want to be involved in a gang, use a knife or a gun.
1: Hmm. And do you think there's an opportunity here, perhaps in a way that that might not exist elsewhere, that, that in the kind of black communities, the church has this kind of leadership communal focus and role. And so there's a real chance for kind of to be salt and light, maybe more powerfully than in, you know, kind of sleepy middle suburban white England where 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 the church has kind of lost that, that role.
0: Mm. I think there's a there's a role for every minister in this context. And I want to remind whether we're urban or suburbia, we have problems. Um because night crime, drugs, they commute as well. That's why we have the county line. And if we believe that this is just an urban context problem, then we are sleepwalking in the dark. We are. Because over the years, I've been amazed at the amount of young people who go to church schools, Catholics or um, Anglican Church of England, or they go to independent school, but certainly who go to church, sing in choirs, in Anglicans, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, They sing in their choir and they're also involved in gangs or drug drug activity. So we cannot be complacent with this. And we've got to recognize that unless we are informed, unless we are relevant, unless we engage in these things, rather than saying it's a problem outside, then we are guilty of not being prophetic speaking and not being pastoral, speaking, um, ministering into those
1: contexts. But Sheldon Thomas remains dispirited by what he sees as the toothlessness of the church's response to gang crime and police violence. There were just too few pastors like Les Isaac, he argued.
2: Unfortunately, our black leaders are not that way inclined as to what Leslie said. They're only interested in themselves. They're only interested in the size of their church or congregation, the tithing and the money they get and the prosperity message. They've lost themselves. And I will tell any pastor that. And any pastor that tries to contradict me, I will tell them you're lying because there's no truth in it. There is absolutely no truth in it whatsoever. I have seen with my own eyes, the church get from one position into this prosperity message and at the same time still doing the same things they were doing in the prison that they were doing 50 years ago and when i come in and speak to them and say these guys don't need your songs they need tangible um support we don't give it and we believe by telling somebody Jesus loves you makes a difference I've gone into the ghettos in in, in England all over this country I've gone into the ghettos in Jamaica in Barbados in these other countries and I've gone there and you can't tell people Jesus loves you and think that's going to make a single difference this is not the 50s this is 2022 where we've got young men who carry guns they carry guns You can't go to a man who's carrying a gun and say, oh, Jesus loves you and think he's just going to drop the gun and suddenly his life is changed. So I think we need the church is stuck in the the 50s in one sense, in one sense. But in the other sense, they've moved forward in the prosperity message. Mm -hmm. So I would say Les is right when he's talking about himself. But when he's talking about black leaders, there's no truth to that whatsoever. We don't have any black... That These black leaders are only interested in themselves. They have no interest in what is going on in the black community. And if you don't believe, you can go into any church and see the glamorous church, how it looks. But then when you go out into the community, and ask the very people, do you know what that church is doing? They'll be like, no, I didn't even know it exists.
1: However, despite the pain over Chris Cabot's shooting as Isaac said, he had not yet given in to despair. And you've been obviously involved in this work for many decades now, Street Pastors and, and other projects. Do, do, you, do you feel hopeful? Do you feel optimistic about the future? Do you think things are improving or changing? Or are we just kind of going around this cycle and in a few years time, we'll be talking about another tragic case of an unarmed black man shot by police or another case of kind of nice crime among kind of black teenagers in London?
0: As a minister, I have to be optimistic. I am optimistic because I pray, um, because I read the Bible, and because I seek to do some practical thing as part of my contribution to make things better. That wonderful prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I still very much believe in that. And so when I wake up in the morning, although I feel pain, I'm excited to go out because I know that I'm part of the solution. And I believe that if the church um, sees itself as part of the solution, not saying, woe is this world, because the church is here and Jesus is dwelling richly in the church. And so the church goes out and be salt and be light. Um, And I could tell you, Tim, the amount of people I've met, whether at night, very early in the morning, or during the day, or in the school, who have said, thank you, Mr. Isaac. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I could give you stories after stories of young people who I've met. Um, just one little story, a young man that I was called to his school. I was called to school because he came to school with a knife. They caught him with a knife in school. And he was threatened by some other boys who were threatening to shoot him after school. So the school called me and says, look, could you spend some time with him? So I had to go drive to the school, picked him up after school for, for a week, pick him up every afternoon after school. So people were thinking, who's that? Is that your dad? You know, because he's getting picked up after. And I took him to my office where my team was and I said, what's the problem? And he says no one gives a damn about me my dad's left me my mom's got mental health my brother's on drugs no one cares about me i said well they do i care for you and others care for you your teacher cares for you and i said to him okay um look here's some money to put some credit on your phone and um stay out of trouble and i'm gonna see you every week and he had to go to police station i went with him You know, I was just there walking with him. I said, I'm traveling abroad. I'll ring you when I'm abroad. I rang him when I was abroad. You know what he said? He said, no, he says, "Um, no one's ever kept their promise. But Mr. Isaac has. He was abroad. He phoned me. Wow. I met, you know, met up with him. Six months later, he came. He came to my office and says, I'm going to college. And he's attending every day. Six months. We need more people out there. We need to be hopeful and optimistic. We need to be prophetic. And we need to be praying for our police officers and speaking to them. When they're doing a great job, encourage them. If we've got doubts, you know, um, speak to power. We need to stand with the communities and we need to speak to them, speak to mums. speak to families. The importance of loving, caring, you know, putting boundaries, you know, supporting, managing, nurturing, all of these things, that's part of the job and the responsibility of the church, not just black, the church, and ministers, not just, you know, whether you're Caribbean or Africa, but ministers, that's our, part of our role and responsibilities. Without being nannies, we are prophetic, (laughs) and we are the servants of the Lord.
1: That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Premier Christian Newscast.